like VCs know that this sort of bottoms up growth is a like a very saleable product in the future and they're willing to sort of subsidize it in the future. So yeah, pre-revenue, but we have tens of thousands of users. You can see on our open source traction as well, like people are really engaged in the product in a way that like I've built products before, I had, had never seen. Are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Brendan Falk. He's the co-founder and CEO of FIG. He grew up in Australia, specifically Sydney, did his undergrad at Harvard, and now lives in San Francisco. The company has raised $2.2 million from Y Combinator, General Catalyst, and executive uh, and founders at Stripe, GitHub, Heroku. He's also one of the fastest growing open source startups in the world last quarter. Brendan, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. Thanks for having right. me, Nathan. You know, I, I'm a numbers guy. So when I see in a bio fastest growing in the last quarter, I'm obviously going to ask you to quantify that. Measured by what? Who, who's the source? What's the ranking? So there's a ranking called the Ross Index. They publish the fastest growing open source companies by GitHub Stars, GitHub Forks, and a few other metrics. You could just Google Ross Index. And in Q3 last year, I think we were number two or number three. And then Q4 last year, we were like in the top 10, I think, maybe 10th. What so, factors go into that? Is it, is it number of number of developers who contributed at least one line of code to the open source project, or like what's the number? So GitHub Stars is it's sort of like a like on Facebook. It's a bit of a vanity metric, to be honest. But then they also look at GitHub Forks. A GitHub Fork for non-technical users listening is. I go to a project online that is open source. So all of the code is available. And if I want to contribute to it, what I do is I download the code that's called forking. I make my changes and then I submit what's called a pull request, which says, hey, I've made some changes. Can you review them? And then we review them and we click merge and suddenly they're available to every user. So that's a lot of our company, fascinating. A lot of our company is open and that means anyone in the world can contribute. And we have been growing so quickly because we've had so many contributors. We're at about 150 or more contributors at this point. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. So in Q4, 150 people downloaded the, the I guess, the fork to then submit something back to you to approve. No, no, no. In Q, so uh, Q4, we probably had like hundreds, if not thousands of forks, meaning they downloaded us. And then in terms of contributors, we probably had like 30 or 40 contributors just in that quarter. But over the course of our company, we've had, yeah, 160, 170 contributors. You can check out, um, if you go to github.com slash with fig slash autocomplete, you can see all of the, the open source success that we've had. Well, yeah, you know, everyone is looking for the next, the next SID, right? The next GitLab, right? You know, I remember having SID on many years ago and I, I, asked him some tough questions around, you know, open source folks are generally givers. And when there's the big, mean business guy that comes in and tries to make money off this, yep. it's a hard balancing act. So like he obviously figured a way to do it. How are you balancing that? How do you reward these contributors when it's clear like, wait, Brendan, you're making money on this. Your equity value is going up. You just raised 2.2 million. Where's our money? So I think a lot of developer com- developer tools companies that have done really well have realized that most of their money comes from massive enterprise deals. It's not from you know making $5 here or there from the individual user. So 
our focus is right now, let's just make sure individuals love our product. And so do you love a product that's paid or do you love a product that's free? Everyone loves free. So we're making it free. We're really focused on growth. We're all about getting adoption, getting people just like literally use Fig every single day, make it just a core part of their daily workflow. Because we know that like most SaaS tools, we're going to make all of our money in enterprise. So we're not worried about the money for individuals today. We can worry about that in the future. So let's say I was one of the, the 30 or 40 developers that that pulled down the pull request, submitted something back, thousands of forks yeah, yeah. in Q4. Let's say I write some code and then like a year from now, you're selling that code to, to, to Amazon, right? On your FIG enterprise plan. Like, sure. do I get a kickback of that? How do you manage that storyline? So we aren't selling that exact code. We, uh, like our model is some of our stuff is open source, meaning all of that code is public and anyone can contribute. Some of our code is closed. The stuff that we're going to sell is the closed stuff. And so any of the open source contributions, we have basically said, this is going to be free forever. Uh, If you are familiar with GitHub, GitHub's model is for individuals, it's free. For open source, it's free. And then for private stuff for teams, it's paid. And we're going to follow the exact same model. So anyone who contributes, we are just totally going to say, this is free and open to the world forever. We're not going to get rid of this. And Very that's, cool. you know, we've held that. And there's no, like, the way this specific repo works, you know, I know it's a short podcast, so I won't go on too long, but it's you download Fig and you use it for your workflows, but maybe there's a specific workflow that you do every day that not many other people do. And so that's where you go, hey, you know what? I want Fig to be better for me. So I'm going to contribute the, you know, the what's called autocomplete spec, which is exactly what we're doing. We're going to it for me. I will contribute it so the rest of the world can also use it. Mm-hmm. That sort of makes sense, but it's it's basically yeah. fix solving your own problem, scratching your own itch, and then allowing other people to also get this access to the solution. So you would only experience a quote unquote community revolt if you took things that you said were going to stay free and then put a paywall up and made them pay. That's the only time like that you would not want to do that. I hope we never experience a community revolt. That would yeah. be terrible. But yeah, like that's just you know if we say one thing and then two years later do another thing, it's people don't trust us. We need, we like want people to trust us. We want totally. I'm, I'm digging here because I think there's a lot to learn about how folks like Sid and others, there's many others that have leveraged an open source community. It's the closest comparable we have to web three where everything's on blockchain, right? Where like you actually vote with the number of tokens you own of the fig product, but this is a different structure, but it's, it's like the closest bridge, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of different styles of open source. So there is what Sid is doing at GitLab, where it is sort of, the, it's company-led. Anyone can contribute, but at the end of the day, the company sort of has the call as to what's the direction we're going. And that uh, it's sort of known as the benevolent dictator for life, if you've ever heard of that term. So big open source projects, specifically languages like Python, have a benevolent, benevolent dictator for life. Uh, Whereas a lot of other open source projects, similar to Web3, they have some sort of set of rules which says, okay, the community has to vote and then based on the community votes, something is going to happen or something is not going to happen. There are lots of different methodologies. I think the most important thing is for you to say upfront, here is who makes the final decision at the end of the day, here are the rules. Because if you don't say that, it just turns into chaos. So how many folks today are full-time at FIG? We're still small. We have a small powerhouse team. So we just hit seven and hopefully we'll be eight fairly soon. But how many engineers? We're all engineers. We're a developer okay. tool. So we have to be coding every day. And I think it will be like that for a while. And pre-revenue, or are you charging already for some parts of the of the tool? 
as I said, most of our revenue is going to come from enterprise stuff. We know that. And luckily, we have so much good user adoption that VCs are willing to... Like VCs look at companies like GitHub and GitLab and go, you know what, these companies weren't making a ton of money in the early days, but their users just loved them because they were solving a massive problem. So like VCs know that this sort of bottoms up growth is a like a very saleable product in the future and they're willing to sort of subsidize it in the future. So yeah, pre-revenue, but we have tens of thousands of users. You can see on our open source traction as well, like people are really engaged in the product in a way that like I've built products before I had, had never seen. Mm-hmm. So, how, how, like, where can someone go to to understand what you mean when you say tens of thousands of users? They're different than the contributors to the open source code. Yeah. So we have like two sides here. There's actually building the product. Those are where the contributors come in, and then there are the people who use the product, and that's like that's what I'm talking about with users. So GitLab is the example. They all of their code is open. Anyone can contribute and make the code better but it doesn't mean you actually use it every day. There's usually a high correlation between users and contributors, but not everyone who uses Fig has to contribute, if that makes sense. You can go to Fig, you can go to fig.io, download Fig and get advanced, like take full advantage of what we do. We make the terminal easier to use. The terminal is a place that developers use all day, every day for like, version control of code. Like I won't go into a ton of depth because I don't want to go <laughs> too technical, but we make developers' lives in the terminal much easier. So, so how many to... used it in January? In January, the yeah, God, it's already, already February. People, I mean, we're not saying the exact numbers, but we're in the, the tens of thousands. Like our monthly active users are in the tens of thousands at this point, but it's growing super quickly. Like this time last year, we're almost at nothing. And now we're like, these are daily users as well, as opposed to just monthly. What credit card should I use? You guys have heard this. If you're scaling with 10, 20 employees, you know that your lead developer needed your credit card data to sign up for Jira or Trello. Your head of marketing needed the credit card to sign up for Facebook ads. Or your head of HR needed a credit card or your credit card data to sign up for that Delta trip you need to take to that next conference. Nobody understands or understood how to track this stuff efficiently and effectively until Ramp came along. Create virtual or physical cards for everybody on your team as you grow and build your SaaS company. Quickly log into Ramp and see where there are discounts you might be able to get that you didn't know about. For example, maybe you save 100 bucks a month on Trello or 20 bucks a month on your email marketing provider. Ramp has all these listed in their platform and you can assign a credit card, both virtual or and physical, to every employee and set limits. That way, you can quickly see if your dev tool spend is going up. Are you spending more on Trello? Or are Facebook ads increasing too fast? Or are you spending too much on travel? It's incredible the amount of insight you can see inside the ramp dashboard i got a look the other day and i was blown away i said i've got to partner with these guys check it out today at nathanlacka.com forward slash ramp that's nathanlacka.com forward slash ramp i'm not going to tell you about the special bonus you'll see but once you go to the landing page you'll see there's a big with two zeros bonus on this page nathanlacka.com forward slash ramp check it out today because time is money and i want you to save both Help me understand the growth in MAU over the past 60 days. So if you're in ten, tens of thousands in January, what was it in December? Uh, again, not publishing exact numbers, but I can say last month we were up 50% or something like that. So okay. uh, yeah, we, you know, we launched on Product Hunt. We had the second product of the month, second top product of the whole month, number one of the day, number one of the week. So it's just people love what we're doing to the point that they're sharing it with their friends and we're just compounding the number of users by mm-hmm. yeah, 40 to 50% each month. 
Uh, you got about seven, uh, 375 upvotes um, on that product hunt listing. How did that? How 375. Did that... I think you're looking at a uh, 20. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a different. 2020. Yeah, we got a thousand, like 1300. Or, or that's a different. That's a different. You got to yeah. You wait. That's the exact same name. July 7th, 2020. Fig visual apps and shortcuts for your terminal. What was that? That was really early on in Fig's history. We were still pivoting around. So. Coming, taking a step back, what is Fig? As I said, we make the terminal easier. The terminal's really hard. There are a ton of different workflows that people do in the terminal every day. People also call the terminal the command line, the command prompt, the shell. I'm just going to use the terminal because that's what we tend to stand. I tend to stick to. But uh, we launched this like really bare bones version of Fig just to see if like this was a big pain point just to test the waters. Got and we it. got a lot of traction on that product at launch. And then since then, we focused in on one specific product, which was auto-completed the terminal. And that's what we launched a few When did ago. you write the first line of code for the, for the business? What year? It was April 2020. Okay, 2020. So yeah, that first product on launch of 375 upvotes was in 2020. The more recent one yep. did was 1300 upvotes, number two product uh, of the month uh, in January. This is well, last month, actually. Um, yes. How many users did you get? Like when you look at your website traffic from product on, how much did you get from that launch? Yeah, we got several thousand. It wasn't... Yeah, it was several thousand. Again, not, we're not saying the exact numbers, but it's not like what we know is product hunt is one place where people, like technical people hang out. There's also Hacker News. There's also Twitter. There's also the workplace. There's also side hobby projects. There's also open, there are also open source projects. There are a ton of different places. And so we, product hunt is just one of many avenues. Mm -hmm. Did, uh, what drove you more traffic? Um, you know, you posted, I believe, fig on hacker news back in what was it eight months ago or so almost 600 yep, may you know, like, uh, yep. yeah did that more traffic more? was actually yeah hacker news that's yeah. because i think i would say two reasons one hacker news is a more technical audience and two there are a lot more lurk this sounds weird but lurkers on hacker news those are people who don't comment they don't really upvote but they read it every day and Fig was at the top of Hacker News basically all day. Like it was a really long day for my co-founder and me, but that got us, I would say, double if not triple the number of users from from Hacker News as opposed to Product Hunt. Yep, 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 interesting. Okay, um, talk to me a little bit more about how you funded the business. You're pre-revenue. You got to pay seven employees somehow, so you raised yep. some capital. When was the first round? Yep, we got into YC. We raised that money in April, like last year, is when it first hit our bank. So it's not last year, April 2020. Then we raised our seed straight afterwards, which was September 2020. We are a really efficient business. Like not only are we software. Well, how, sorry, super, how much, Brandon? So how much did you oh, raise? Sorry, yeah, we raised we raised 2.2 million. We raised from General Catalyst was our lead, but then a bunch of really cool executives. That was all so in 2020? That was all in 2020. Yep. Okay. So we're really capital. So we raised from... General Catalyst, we have SV Angel, a bunch of partners from really cool companies like the CPO of Stripe, Will Gabrick. We have the founder of Segment, Calvin. We have the... But Brendan, what, what's, what's going on, right? When I see a company come out of YC and they do a round instantly, you've already given up 7% for whatever it is, 150 grand. So dilution's yeah. a real thing here. Um, I mean, you should be raising every 12 to 15 months. Otherwise, something's wrong. Why haven't you yeah. raised in over 24 months? We have so much money. Like we have barely... We have, still have 25 we, we still have more than 60 percent or 70 percent of our money in the bank like we want to grow but i also don't want to grow too quickly i trust yc's advice 
they say the worst way to kill, the best way to kill your company is to just raise a bunch of money, hire a bunch of people when you don't have product market fit. We raised, I don't think we had product market fit straight after raising. Now we're getting like really good growth and really good traction. I think we will raise in the next like three or four months. I want us to grow our team before we raise. So I'm like, we're starting to hire aggressive. We were four engineers in December. We're seven now. So in a month, we've almost doubled the team. So we're like really going on this like quick growth tra- trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. I agree, but I also don't buy into the metrics of like you have to, the best companies raise in one and a half years or whatever. Like, we'll, well it's raise. not the best. It's not the best. You just do pattern recognition. It's usually yeah, a negative signal. It's usually a negative signal in the market if more than 24 months go by and you're coming out of YC with 2.2 million raise back in 2020. But I think your yeah. answer is also very valid. You know, yeah. like we have so much money in the bank. This is what I'm saying is sure, engineers are expensive, but we weren't paying engineers for a long time. It was really just my co-founder and me. You also look at Stripe and a bunch like Vercel, some of these other really big developer tools companies. Straight after YC, they raised a seed round, but then it took them a long time to raise their Series A. Raising going from Series A to Series B, that was really quick for these companies. But they took two to two and a half years at least to go from C to Series A. I'm not too fussed about that. I want the engine to be going. I want us to be like really confident that, hey, like when we raise this Series A, we are blasting off. I think we're getting pretty close. So I imagine- And, most, and most in their seed, just to understand how you're managing Lucian, most in their seed are selling between 10 and 20%. Were you sort of right in that same average? Yeah, we were around like 10 to 15%. Okay, yeah. good. So on the on the better under that. So 10 to 15% yeah, yeah. in that seed, that's not including the 7% from YC, I assume? Not including YC. Yeah. So you've yeah. got like 20% equity or so owned by investors right now. The rest, the team, the ESOP pool, all that jazz. Yes, exactly. And if you do raise in the next couple of months, how much would you target? It depends who we raise from. If we go with a big VC, like a Sequoia and Andreessen, I say go is it if we're fortunate enough to go with one of them. They they they're always taking twenty percent. Like that's the way they work, and so they'll increase the valuation, but they will no matter what take twenty percent. Versus if you go with like just non traditional capital, they'll take between ten and fifteen percent. And like sometimes you can go with a real an angel like you know a Sam Altman, for instance, who I think is sort of agnostic to this. They don't have fixed capital constraints. They just want to invest and be part of the journey. So I think it really depends at the end of the day who the partner we go with is. Uh, partner is most important to me. Mm-hmm. Very cool. All right. Well, it'll be fun to see what happens. Um, and and when do you know when it's the right time to put up the paywall? To get to put up the paywall, as I said, yeah. When when's your first dollar of revenue? We will start charging teams, and we're launching a new product next month. It makes it easier to manage your dot files for technical listeners. Dot files are like your develop non technical listeners. Sorry, dot files are like your developer environment. We for individuals, figs are always going to be free. For teams, after like 10 plus people, we're going to start charging. And I think we'll get our first paying users in the next couple of months with this new Teams product we're launching. All right, Brandon, sounds good. In the meantime, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite book? 1984 by George Orwell. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I'm a big fan of Guillermo at Vercel. Number uh, three, what's your favorite online tool for building fig? Other than Fig, because we use it to build it every day, I would say this is more of a personal thing, but superhuman. I think building Fig as a company, you need to be really quick and responsive to people. And superhuman enables me to like 10x the output I can do per day. Number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? I'm big on sleep. So eight hours. That's great. And situation, married, single kids? No, not married. I'm single. No kids. DM me. Don't worry. No kids. (laughs) And I'm 24. Are you? 24. <laughs> All right, Brian. And last question. What's something you wish you knew four years ago when you were 20? About building companies, it is focus on problems as opposed to solutions. What does that mean? 
when I was growing up, I used to build apps and I used to think, oh, this is a cool idea. Like everyone's going to love it, but it would, they just be ideas. I wish I knew to focus explicitly on like what YC calls a hair on fire problem, a really, really painful thing. That's where the best startup ideas come from. It's where the idea for Fig came from. It's the terminal. If you speak to any user who uses the terminal, it is really, really hard. And Fig comes in and just makes that easier. The sale is so easy. So uh, focus on problems, not solutions. Guys, Brennan Falk, fig.io, first line of code written in 2020, came out of YC, raised 2.2 million, sold about 10 to 15% of the business. Uh, obviously, YC took 7% as well. They're growing though nicely, tens of thousands of monthly active users, growing 50% their MAU uh, month over month. So again, nice growth there. They're going to use that growth to celebrate, start of the market, hopefully raise some capital here again in the next two to three months. Team of seven right now as they continue scaling up their engineering team, again, building a tool that makes it easier for developers to get more out of their terminal. Brendan, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan.